What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey everyone, welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod. We're here with our Rutgers Part 2 preview. This time Rutgers is going to be playing on the road, although it's going to be at Madison Square Gardens in New York, so it's a little bit different situation. Uh, before we begin, I just want to remind you that Nudge Printing, our sponsor of the show, is offering a special deal. If you do a review of our podcast on your podcast player, take a screenshot picture of it and email it to me at eric at tffinots.com. I will then send you a $5 gift certificate for Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com where you can get Spartan apparel, other school apparel, decals, cornhole decals, etc. So we'll talk a little bit about that later, but leave a written review and then you can email that screenshot to me and we'll get you that $5. So let's talk about Rutgers. It hasn't been that long since we, Michigan State, defeated Rutgers in the Breslin Center. Uh, Rutgers is 15-7, and 7, 7 for the Big Ten. Their profile is pretty similar to before. They're number 14th overall in Ken Palm and number 113th in on defense, offense and number two on defense. So an offense, kind of typical th- profile. They don't shoot very well, 32.7% from three, 238th from two. Don't shoot a lot of free throws. They're 257th in free throw attempts. Uh, they don't hang on to the ball real well. They turn it over quite a bit at, and they're at 115th. But they're really good rebounding. It has Michigan State found out uh, <laughs> on the offensive boards where they think they had 18 offensive rebounds, They're, which puts them at number 41 in the country. They shoot free throws well, but again, they don't get there very often. They shoot about 74%. And on defense, they are really good. 14th uh, against twos, 18th against threes. They're number 30th with shot block percentage. And they tend to force a little more turnovers. I think part in part because Cam Spencer is really good at that. He averages two and a half a game. Uh, they are number 22nd in the country in turnover percentage and six in steal percentage, but they tend to foul a little bit more. So they're number 82 there and they're not as good defensive rebounding, uh, probably in some, to some reason because of their shot blocking, uh, they're number 116th in defensive rebounding in the first game, you know, as I mentioned, Michigan State got crushed on the boards by Rutgers. Uh, they also, uh, shot pretty okay i mean they weren't very good from three and that's and from a turnover standpoint they're even they shot 11 15 from the line to michigan state six to seven uh but their three-point shooting was horrendous they were two for 17 michigan state was 12 for 22 and that was the difference the game a particular note cam spencer who was lights out for most of the season before that was really bad. And even a couple looks, and we mentioned this during the post game that they left him open a couple times and he still was unable to hit open shots. And maybe he'd missed a couple early and that's why he wasn't able to get on. 
track, but he looked good last night when <laughs> when they played Minnesota. He was, I think, three for three. And so, anyway, I think Rutgers is kind of a funny team. They're also the only team to beat Purdue mm-hmm. and on Purdue's home floor. So, an interesting profile team that is, I think, comfortably in the NCAA tournament, uh, where they, you know, a couple years ago they weren't, and they managed to kind of claw their way in. So this team is much better in some respects than they were a couple years ago, and there's still going to be a tough team. And the only fortunate thing for Michigan State is we are not playing at their home arena. We're playing in uh, Madison Square Gardens, which has not traditionally been great news for Michigan State, but is a heck of a lot better than playing at the rack. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers is, I think, 13-2 and two at the rack this season. So, you know, you'd, you'd rather you'd rather play them anywhere else. Um, yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a really interesting game last time, and Michigan State overcame a lot of areas that were either pushes like turnovers shooting overall from the floor or net negatives rebounding MSU gave up 18 offensive rebounds in that game only had six themselves. So they got tattooed on the glass. Really the only time this season it's eh, Purdue and at West Lafayette was the other one. Those are the two games I look at this year where they just got wiped out on the boards. Um, but MSU overcame all of that because not only did they not get Rutgers get on track at all from three, but MSU had their best shooting performance of the season from three. They were 12 for 22. So when you outshoot a team, you know, by with 10 more three point makes than they had, that's going to, that's going to cover up a lot of other sins. And that's what happened. So, you know, depending upon how you look at it, you can say, okay, well, MSU can't possibly play that badly again in some of these other areas. And they are a good shooting team and Rutgers is a bad shooting team. So maybe the equation will be good. Or you can look at it and say, wow, MSU got was so fortunate to have that kind of shooting, deep shooting differential. There's no way that'll happen again. You know, it depends, depends <laughs> on what, you know, your glass is half full or half empty. Um, I think the Cam Spencer thing is interesting and we'll talk about him a little more in a second, but you know, the MS, he came into the MSU game shooting 47% from three on the year. And then MSU holds him to one for eight over the next two games combined. He was only one for six. Yeah. Then so MSU put him in a slump. Then last night against Minnesota, as you said, he seemed to get back on track. He was three for three. It'll be interesting to see what happens in this one, if he's truly back on it, or if it's a one game blip in something of a downturn for him, we don't know yet. Yeah. And that was the, that was the question coming into the season two, you know, how good would he be shooting moving up to the big 10 from uh, his previous team? And he, he's been great. It's sort of like Andrew Funk where he's, he's moved up and he's definitely yep. looked really good, but you just never know. And so, and then you always wonder, is this, is he finding his level or is he actually really, you know, 40 plus percent shooter And Well, and, and here's the other thing, you know, by this point earlier in the season, he's still new to the league. Um, you know, people are figuring him out right by now. They figured him out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that doesn't mean they can stop him but they know who he is. They know what kind of damage he can do. And so that can alter a scouting report, mean that you start getting more attention, different kinds of attention defensively than you were before. And then it becomes a battle of adjustments. 
I did not feel, I thought Michigan state at times defended him well, but as you noted, there were also times in that game at the Breslin where he was wide open and he just missed. So I don't think that one for eight was truly about, Hey, Michigan state's figured out how you got to check this guy. I didn't, I didn't come away from, from that, that game with that understanding might be different this time. Now they've seen him once. So maybe that helps. And maybe they, they do honestly throw something different at him. I don't know. Um, but I do think it's, it's not crazy. Look, when you're shooting 47% as he was, you've almost got nowhere to go, but down. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. It's hard to maintain that level for an entire season, especially when you're a relatively high volume shooter, the way he is. Um, so it's not a surprise that he, everybody goes through slumps. I mean, Bryn Forbes had off games, you know, Sean Respert had off games. We've seen it. So it's not a surprise that he would have some bumps in the road. Just the question is for one afternoon in Manhattan, will he have another bump in the road or will he do what he's done to a lot of other people? Cause it's a, it's a big deal, man. If, if he is not hitting Rutgers struggles. Yeah. They don't have much free. Yeah. They really do. Right. Cause you have Mulcahy, but he's, he's a low volume shooter. He's going to take one right. or two a game. Maybe didn't even, didn't even take any threes against Michigan state. Yeah. In the first game. Yeah. And I, I'll admit, I didn't go back and watch the game. I don't know how he got so open a couple of times. I know it, I, I should say, I'm pretty sure at least one or two of those was uh, Brooks uh, Pierre just kind of losing track of him. <laughs> Could be. And he had yep. some open threes. But, you know, again, like you see this all the time where a shooter misses a couple because it's contested and he's trying to force something. And then even when he has the open one, he misses it because, you know, it's he's rushing or whatever, just thinking about the ones that had that didn't go down before. So I wonder if that was a little reflection of the defense they were playing earlier. But yeah. you also have to think if you're Rutgers, well, we know we got him open. We know how to get him up, whether it's sitting double screens or something like that in the, on the baseline. So we just need to do that again, and then he's going to—he's probably going to hit him this time versus but last time. Oh, that—that's the way you'd absolutely be thinking if you're Steve if you're Steve Peichel, especially coming off a game where he was three for three. You know, your thought process if you're Rutgers is all right—he's back. You know, so that they're, they're going to come into this game, and Spencer's going to come into this game. I would imagine very confident. Well, and I also, you know, the other thing that Michigan State just got decimated on the offensive glass uh, last game. And I can't remember if there was a little bit more doubling down low with Am- Amarui or if there was, if the people were just out of position because they weren't, you know, what it was that was causing the problem. Because maybe just Madi was just getting pushed out of the way sometimes. I feel like Cooper is a little bit better in that game than, than Madi was on the, on the glass, but I don't know. I mean, it just, it, it was just like a collective just fail. It was a, it, it was a down night for Madi, that much I remember. I really felt, and these are cliches, but I think in this case it was true. I really felt Michigan State just got out tough. Yeah, I thought Rutgers, Rutgers just it wasn't. Oh, they're scrambling defensively and they're out of position. It, it was just Rutgers was just a tougher, more aggressive, more assertive team that was first to the ball. Right, and you know it wasn't just Amarui. I mean, he had five offensive rebounds, but McConnell a wing had four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they just, they just pounded MSU and that cannot nothing remotely close to that can happen again. Right. You know, they dodged a bullet in that game by, by virtue of the way they shot. 
Yeah. Um, you can't expect that kind of performance again. So you got to shore up some of the other things that means, I mean, I, I honestly think, and I didn't look back to see how many second chance points Rutgers got Not out many, of all that. Considering all imagine... those, they didn't have a lot considering. All the really? Leaders. Yeah. It, okay. I mean, if I recall, I'll look it up, but I don't think it was a whole lot. Yeah. Um, You'd expect to be like 30 with 18 offensive rebounds. Right. But I have to think it helped their field goal percentage because they actually shot a decent percentage overall. And, um, you know, again, Michigan State, look, Michigan State playing Rutgers with the way Rutgers shoots and the way MSU is capable of defending. I I would think you've got to set a target. Hey, we want to hold these guys under 40 percent. And they didn't do that. Rutgers was like at 42 and change. I think they slightly outshot Michigan State. It was like 42.6 to 42.2. So I've got it up right now. Something like that. The offense. So the shooting field goal percentage for Rutgers was 34.4% in the game. They were 11.8% from three. They're actually, you know, like 4%. They hit that last three. They were Wait, one what of, did they shoot overall? 34.4%. Really? They were 22 of 64. God, okay. They had 15 second chance That's... points with 18 offensive rebounds. <laughs> I must have been looking at the second half stats then because that's much more in line with what I recall. Yeah, second half, they were even worse. They were only 32% in the second half. So, yeah, yeah I mean, they were, so they were that's miserable. That's what you want to do. Yeah. You want to repeat that. You want to repeat, um, obviously, holding them down. They struggle to shoot. Now, their last two games, I think they put up 80 and 90 points, but that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. They, they, they should Iowa. not come anywhere close. Yeah, they, they shouldn't come anywhere close to that. Um, Iowa and Minnesota, right? Correct. So, yeah, um, yeah they, they shouldn't come anywhere close to that against Michigan State. And again, Michigan State has Malik Hall back. Yes, and that was a huge difference, right? We didn't have Malik Hall in the last game, and that, and especially you, you think on the offensive boards, especially you have a wing coming in, maybe that makes a huge difference having Malik Hall there. I was going to say because let's remember Rutgers on the perimeter, very big, yeah, very big, yeah. like six four, six six five, six six, yep, something like that. Um, that's a big group. I, I mentioned McConnell had four offensive rebounds. It's going to be a different story for him if he's got to go, if they've got to go up against, you know, an Aikens Hall wing combination at times. You would think Michigan State would have more success in keeping them off the offensive glass with that group. But yeah, well, I mean, you certainly don't expect to outscore them by 30 points from three, <laughs> but no, but uh, it's obviously going to be a big thing. It went, if Purdue can get rolling outside, they're difficult. They're sort of like those. Or yeah, they're sort of like Purdue, right? That they can they get the twos inside, and then they've got outside shooting. They're they're a tough matchup, but so you got to get rid of one of them. They're like Purdue, except that Purdue is exceptionally good from two, and Rutgers is off. Yes, <laughs> but, right. But I mean, but, uh, but I mean, they're the you know they are they are tough inside. They're they're a hard nosed team, which is what you mentioned before. They're gonna it's gonna be a rock fight every time. Yeah, they play. and and they have and and Omarui is a is a legit post threat. I mean, he's not. Look, Michigan State held them to five for 13, I believe, from the floor in that game. So, you know, your memory of that game, listeners, might be that, oh, he was a load. We couldn't handle him because of all the rebounding. <laughs> but he didn't shoot well right, at all. Michigan State really limited him. But he is a legitimate post threat. But beyond that, you know, look, Rutgers offensively is limited because 
They don't have, you know, Mokehi can work his way to the rim, but he's not a pure penetrating threat, right. you know? Um, they've got one legit post threat, and then they got a bunch of jump shooters other than Spencer who don't shoot all that well. Yeah. You know? So that's that's kind of and they're not a transition team. They don't get a lot of easy baskets. So they struggle offensively some for a reason, but you know, the flip side of it, we've been talking so much about their offense defensively. This team is legit. They're all kinds of legit. They're that length helps them. They've got a uh, great rim protection. Uh, and they, they do what Rutgers teams under Steve Peichel have generally done, which is, uh, they force you to take shots from spots on the floor. You don't want with the added bonus of this group, unlike most of their previous ones, also being able to turn you over, right? You know, those guards, you talked about Spencer, but you know, McConnell is the reigning defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. Mulcahy's not bad. They have a great shot blocker inside in the paint. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things they can throw at you defensively. And that's why they're sitting where they are. It's the defensive end. Yeah. Um, they make it very, very tough on you. It's amazing that they gave up 90 plus points to Iowa. Now I was, was shooting the lights out that game too, but, um, I don't know. It's <laughs> there. That was obviously their bad game. And I, I don't know, maybe there's something specific that they were do, not doing well in that game, but I feel like it was mainly just, they're giving up open looks for three. And, and I think it was Sanford hit a bunch too. And anyway, we'll see. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, especially since both teams are kind of, they're it's sort of like a road game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are more Michigan State fans than there are Rutgers fans in New York. I was thinking about that. It's it's possible. Um, MSU's generally had pretty decent turnout for games at Madison Square Garden. I will be interested to see what that looks like. I was looking at Ken Palm and doing the prep for this, and Ken Palm has it as a semi-home game, which makes sense because it's not really – you can't really label it a home game. Right. And And – I'll tell you what, if Rutgers were to lose this, uh, they're, they're going to be kicking themselves. I get why they do this. You know, it's smart from a marketing perspective. And I don't just mean, you know, money-making. In fact, that's not really what I mean at all. I mean, in terms of growing their program, yeah, they want to be seen as the power or at least a power in the tri-state area in a way that they never have been historically. And so if you want to do that, there's really no better way to do it than putting your flag down, planting your flag in Manhattan in Mad at Madison square garden. I think, I think everybody intellectually understands it, but you don't emotionally understand it. And even though I've got lots of relatives who live there, I was born there. Um, I don't feel any kind of romantic connection to Madison square garden. It doesn't mean very much to me in that way at all, but it does to people out there. And so, um, I get it from that perspective that, uh, that it would Rutgers would look at this as, Hey, this is a way to elevate our presence. And it's a good time to do it because, you know, Seton hall is, you know, doing fine as a program, but they're not really, they're certainly not kings of that area. Nope. You know, St. John's has been at a lower level for a while now, and they don't really seem to be changing the narrative. So 
if you're Rutgers, I think you look at it and say, well, things are kind of Syracuse, which, you know, even though they're way up upstate, they still had a big presence in New York. They've been down for quite a while now. If you're Rutgers, you, you would look at this and say, there's an opportunity here for us to make a claim to be, you know, not necessarily New York City's team. I think that's unrealistic, but to have a bigger presence, right? Uh, so yeah. those are the reasons why you do this. But the flip side of it is you are giving up what has become a hell of a home court advantage. You know, it's yeah. it's no different than Michigan State playing a game at the Palace yeah. in the old days or at Joe Lewis, or not Joe Lewis, Little Caesars <laughs> today yeah. or, or Ford Field. You know, yeah, you're going to have more fans. I don't even know that Rutgers knows that. But for Michigan State, yeah, you're going to have the majority of fans, but it's different. It doesn't feel like a home game. And so that that's to Michigan State's advantage, yeah, for sure. There's no question when it comes to shooting and and you all, the the classic line is role players don't hit shots on the road, right? And we saw that in Purdue. No one hit shots on the road in Breslin. Go to back to Mackey and everyone's hitting shots that weren't hitting shots before. And uh and you know you're not getting that home cooking when you go to Madison Square Gardens. I would also say for, for right. Rutgers, be you know, I know Northwestern's tried for years to be Chicago's team. I don't think they're Chicago <laughs> Chicago's team, no matter how much they try. So I don't know. I think you have to be dominant for quite a while for a record to pull down. Chicago hasn't had a team for a long time now, basically since DePaul had, I mean, with intermittent spikes from Loyola, I guess, but um, yeah. yeah, it's, but, but seriously though, if I don't blame Rutgers for doing it, I just wouldn't yeah. pick a big 10 game. I would, I would say, Hey, try to get in, you know, a decent marquee style non-conference opponent and play it and play it there. Um, that kind of thing. I wouldn't do this, but remember Penn state's done this Penn state has, they did it against Michigan state and won um, several years ago back. I think during miles and cash and those guys, their freshman season. Right. So 2017 um, they played MSU at the Palestra in Philadelphia. And then Penn state did it this year against Purdue and lost. Yeah. I get, and it's the same thinking. You know, Penn State is thinking we want to establish ourselves in the city of Philadelphia. We want to we want to be a real presence. And so you play these games. Um, I'm sure that's Rutgers thinking. I just I don't know if right now if Steve feels great about it, because the rack is a unique building in this league for sure, because it's so small. They're filling it now. It's enthusiastic. I got a, I haven't been there to a game yet. It actually looks like it'd be a lot of fun. Um, seems like it would be loud when they've got things going as older buildings tend to be, uh, yep. and just a tough place to play. I mean, you know, there's always this, I had this discussion somewhere this winter, this chicken or the egg thing is a team being good. What makes for a good home court advantage? Or does a good home court advantage make a team good? And I think it's more, it's complicated. It's a little bit of both, but I will say this now that Rutgers has gotten to the point that they are objectively good. The, the potential of that building has been unlocked. It's by the way, it's the same thing. It's hard. It would be really hard for like someone 30 or under to imagine this. But if Minnesota ever got it going, Williams Arena would be an absolute snake pit. It used and, to be. and I can tell you that because 
I right. I can remember periods where it was exactly that. You know. Well, they always had the, and they had that. Uh, they had that raised floor, which they do now, but it's yes. not as dramatic. Like it's, it used to be raised, but barely. Like it was almost like dangerous playing that floor. I think so. I think it was another advantage for the Gophers. I will give you a little, uh, a little tidbit. When I played basketball in junior high, my school's uh, gym was, it was separated from the auditorium by a, a removable wall. And so when they would play games, there was no room for bleachers. So the crowd, such as it was, would have to sit in the auditorium and watch. But, <laughs> but the thing is, if you went after a loose ball, that was a little bit of distance. But theoretically, you could go flying off a stage. <laughs> that, that was the setup. I thought you were going to so start telling me you guys are playing the barn. So <laughs> I know I know just a little bit about what it must feel like to be going after a loose ball. You're right. I think they've changed it. It's not as dramatic as it used to be. I remember the big breakthrough was Judd got so sick of it that he finally just, it was the first, I think it was the first time anybody had done it. He took a stool with him and sat on the stool on the elevator, you know, on the court yeah. elevated, you know, so he didn't have to keep going up and down. And then a lot of guys started doing that, but um, yeah, anyway, it's the, <laughs> the rack MSU fans should be happy that whatever happens in this game, they should be glad that we're skipping the rack. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Why do we go through the starters then? Uh, we'll start with Paul McKay, who again, always, I so hard, I always want to call him Father McKay. 6'6", senior, averaging 8.9 points a game on 43, 39, and 90 shooting. Grabs a 3.5 rebounds a game. Has a turnover-assist ratio of 3-1, to one, or assist turnover, I should say. And he's a guy who just torched and obliterated Michigan State last year at the rack. I don't even know how many. He had a lot of points and a lot of assists and just had that team humming, and they just crushed MSU. Uh, he scored 12 points on 5-8 from the floor in the last game, but he had really struggled. He had four assists, but four turnovers. The probably most notable one where he made a pass that it was like a play they'd done once before at least, and Aikens knew what the play was, picked the pass off, went down the end of the other end of the court, just dunked. He was okay, but he didn't dominate that game. Michigan State, okay, he is a guy who can really um, impose himself on a game without necessarily putting up gaudy statistics, certainly not gaudy scoring numbers. And he does it by virtue of the fact that he's a 6'6", legitimate point guard. He has great vision. His height helps him to see stuff, too, that smaller guards might not. And he's just generally a good passer. And so he makes their offense, such as it is, go. And if you limit him, that's going to help a lot in terms of keeping Rutgers out of whatever their best potential spot is in a given night uh, offensively. Um, he did not spend a great deal of time, I thought, in the middle of the lane in right. the first game, job which is a big positive. Yeah. yeah, big positive. If you keep him out of the middle, you can limit what he does. And so now, uh, Cam Spencer, he's what we talked about before, six, four senior transfer from Loyola, Maryland, and he's shooting 45, 44, 93, averaging 13.1 points a game, second in assist and almost a three to one assist to turnover ratio as well. He averages two and a half steals. Like I mentioned earlier, good defender, big kid. And he was really good 
against Minnesota. Maybe he's out of a shooting slump. He was terrible against Michigan State, as we mentioned before, in the Breslin Center. And and struggled the two games after that, too. So he was on he was on a three-game run where he was two for 14 from three before last night. So do you buy that he has found himself again? Or is that a temporary blip against a frankly a bad team? And he'll come back down to earth and have another struggle. Uh, Michigan State would love the latter. Uh, I don't think they can go into it expecting that. He's just, look, he's just a good all-around player, man. He's quietly, because Rutgers still doesn't get a lot of attention around the league, or let alone nationally. He's gone kind of under the radar, but in my mind, as an all-around impact guy, he is one of the better, certainly one of the better transfer up guys that we've seen in this league in recent years, because across the board, he's done it. He's their leading scorer. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the country. He's a very good defensive player who is disruptive without gambling. Yeah. And he's also a very good secondary playmaker. There's not much he doesn't do well, you know, and and they needed it because let's let's not forget, they lost Ron Harper Jr. Ron Harper Jr. was the man on that team for the last several years, basically every year he was there. And so Spencer has stepped into that role and it's not like he's completely um, replaced everything they got out of Ron Harper Jr. But man, he's replaced a lot. And in some areas he's been much better. So he was a key addition. He's a key to this game because he's the one guy offensively that I think can change it for Rutgers, depending on whether he's on or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's definitely one you can't lose track of. And to your point, he's, he's their main outside threat, right? If you can shut him down, theoretically, you should pretty much stop the three point threat from uh, Rutgers. Caleb McConnell, six, five senior averaging 9.8 points a game on 42, 21 and 79 shooting getting five and a half rebounds per game, kind of to your point earlier that he was really great on the offensive glass for them against Michigan State. Reigning Defensive Player of the Year and you know, had 11 points, five assists in the first game, but a lot of turnovers, had four turnovers. So he was, he's a, the defensive stopper, obviously, and he can score, you know, just not from outside usually. Yeah, he's not a, he's not a deep shooting threat, but his size, his ability to go get the ball off the rim, second chances helps. Um He's another, I mean, look, I still think Michigan state has the best backcourt in the conference, but I will say Rutgers is the one group that would give me pause because these three guys are all super experienced. They all guard. They all pass the ball. Well, um, two of them shoot it well, uh, they could all rebound. I mean, there's not a lot of weaknesses there. And so McConnell is your guy, you know, they're all good defensively, as I say, but he's the best of the bunch. And obviously he was the league best defensive player in the league (laughs) last year. So he's the guy that can be a stopper. If Michigan state has somebody, you know, Jade Nakins or Malik Hall gets going, McConnell's the guy they can use to try to slow them down or, or even Tyson Walker. And whatever they get out of him offensively is a bonus, and they get they usually get something. He's just the weakness for him, obviously, is unlike the other two guys, he really doesn't shoot the three well at all. Uh, then the four man Mawat Mag, six seven junior, 
He's uh, averaging just a little under eight points a game on 49, 28, and 74 shooting, 5.4 rebounds per game. And uh, he only had six points in the last game, but he had five rebounds. And he was I think he was pretty good last night against Minnesota, if I recall. Yeah, he's he's been solid. You know, he doesn't do anything spectacularly, but they he's formed a really nice one-two punch with Hyatt at the four. You know, those two guys combined, they generally get pretty high level play for over 40 minutes, you know, at both ends. Um, he's unlikely to bust out a 20 point scoring night against you. Uh, again, not a, not a great deep shooter, but he's reasonably athletic. He's reasonably tough, good defensive player can rebound. Well, you know, there, there's a lot to like, he's a, he's a nice piece to have. And finally, Clifford Amirouye, 6'10 junior. Uh, he's been very good this season. He's averaging 13.4 points a game and, uh, on 51, 21, and 63 shooting. And he averages, I think it was like about one, three a game, which he usually misses, I think. Yeah, he also grabs almost 10 rebounds a game, two blocks a game. And he's he's become sort of what I think you would hope that Madi Sissoko might become with another year of experience, right? He's got that athleticism, sort of the same build, same kind of player in some ways. Uh, but and they and as you mentioned earlier, they Michigan State really did a good job limiting limiting him uh, from the field. I'll tell you where the differences are. There's two main differences, I think, and that's not to say that Madi doesn't play with a motor, but this kid plays with a real motor. Madi would have to grow some in that area to match his energy level, and then he's actually got a developed post game. Mm-hmm. Madi shows signs of it, but it's not nearly as consistent. So I hear you. That's kind of what you would hope for. You would target that if you were him, but he's not there yet. And they are the same class. So it's a fair comparison. They're both third year juniors um, in their respective programs. He's, you know, he's the guy who uh, probably not as much against Michigan state because I don't think Michigan state will tilt their defense to deal with him, but against other teams, you know, he's a guy who can demand doubles mm-hmm. because he's proven enough as a post player. And so that can tilt things in Rutgers favor. Uh, be interesting to see how Michigan state plays him again. I think a lot of listeners memories. And even as I think back to that game, my memory is God, he's kicking our ass. And then you, then you look at the numbers five for 13 from the floor. He struggled. Yeah. He struggled to finish. You know, he rebounded the hell out of the ball, but he struggled to finish. And that's a win that kind of shooting percentage, man. That's a win for Michigan state. They'll take that any day of the week. And I, I don't seem to recall Michigan state throwing a ton of doubles at him either. Yeah. I can't remember. I feel like that he, you know, the th- I feel like a lot of shots were within lots of traffic, but it's after an offensive rebound. So that's, you know, there's just going to be a lot of traffic then anyway. It's not because of double. So uh, the move on to the reserves then. Andre Hyatt, 6'6", 225-pound uh, junior, transferred last year from LSU. He averages 9.7 points a game on 39, 32, and 76, and grabbing 4.3 rebounds a game. He had a lot of trouble in that game against Michigan State. He was 0 for from the full floor over seven. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a repeat of that. He's a, he's a good player. As I say, they've got that nice one, two punch at the four. Neither guy is overwhelming, but together you put them together, you get pretty good production at his best. He's, he's a little more of a shooting threat, 
but he just hasn't been consistent at all with the three. So that's, you know, that's limited him some, but um, good player and definitely a guy who can do a lot of different things to help you win. Next would be Derek Simpson, 6'3 freshman guard, averaging 5.9 points a game on 35, 23, and 81 shooting, 33 assists to 19 turnovers. Uh, he's he's for the backup point guard. He averaged about 19 minutes a game, and he had four points in 11 minutes in the first meeting. Yeah, he's struggling with his jumper, but uh, definitely seems to be the next guy coming, and he fits their profile. You know, he's a point guard, but he's 6'3", so he's got good size for the position. Not quite as good as what they have now, but still good. Um, and I think they expect he'll get better offensively as he goes. But for now, he's a nice uh, complimentary piece to get any of those guys rest as he can play on or off the ball. And frankly, so can all three of their starters. You know, that's the other thing that makes that backcourt good is the versatility. Yeah, the next would be Antoine Wolfuck. 6'9", 250-pound freshman, averaging three points a game on and 1.9 rebounds a game in about nine minutes. Uh, he had two, a bucket and two points in five minutes of play in the first meetup. Yeah, you know, for this year, he's doing a job, which is just giving giving uh, the big kid a blow um, when he uh, one turn a half, let's say. I do think they are excited about his potential down the line. Um, and given that he was, you know, he was originally a football recruit, so he wasn't really a known quantity when Rutgers grabbed him so much, uh, out of Cleveland, I believe, but, uh, they have to be pretty happy with what he's shown already in terms of potential to develop down the line. Uh, then it'd be Dean Reber, 6'10", junior averaging 1.9 points a game and a rebound a game in about seven minutes, shooting 42, 27 and 50. Uh, he's a stretch four who's not shooting great, and he didn't. He played just a couple of minutes and didn't do much in the Michigan State game. Big, uh, I won't say big, bit of a disappointment because they expected him to be a modern stretch. I, I think if you look at somebody like Coleman Hawkins at Illinois, that's sort of roughly, or or maybe some of the guys that Wisconsin has had over the years that are you know six nine six ten that play at the four. Yeah. So they have size, but they can also they can also hit the three. They could do some different things. I think that's what Rutgers hoped for. And Reber's just never been able to find it, either as a shooter or an overall player, enough to claim a big role. And finally, Jalen Miller, six two sophomore guard. He is didn't even play in the first meeting, and he's been passed over by Simpson. So he's unlikely to play a whole lot if he plays. Yeah, it'll be limited if he plays, but he might see the floor. You know, they last year they were excited about him because they thought he really got it for a freshman defensively. And then this year, as you say, Simpson's kind of jumped him. Um, I would think next year is the year where Miller, you know, is kind of make or break for him because uh, he hasn't really shown much offensive potential thus far. Okay. Uh, I'd like to remind you if you are interested in a fundraiser or you're looking for some sort of corporate event where you need t-shirts made. Gabe and Brittany at Fabricated Customs at FabricatedCustoms.com is a great place to get that taken care of, especially if you're doing something like a school function where you're raising money for like the band or something like that. They can take care of all the stuff that Rod loves doing, like going to mailing things out or going to the printer <laughs> back, collecting money, right? It's yeah. your favorite part of the, so, so they'll take care of all that Fun stuff. Fun running a mail room, man. <laughs> 
nothing better. <laughs> so they take care of all that stuff. So, you know, if you've got that situation where you've got, you want that, or maybe even a small run, like you're just taking a family vacation to Disney World. I always see people with matching t-shirts down there where you don't look totally dupe, uh, dopey. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a great place to go. Uh, you check it out at fabricatedcustoms.com. Uh, listeners of the show get 20% off. Check out uh, by entering Final Core, Final Four into the coupon code. All right, we'll be back in just a moment for our five keys to the game. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, the five keys to the game brought to you by Nudge Printing. We'll begin with Cam Spencer. So I mentioned a number of times here, they're not as not a good outside shooting team. Spencer is the guy who is. And so, you know, is he back? Is he not back? I guess either way, that's probably, you don't want to probably take that chance. Especially the nice thing is you don't have that many other people to worry about. You have to like expend a lot of extra resources. Yeah. Um, and again, potentially a big deal that you have Malik call back and And the good news is, you know, we're recording this on Thursday evening. Tom Izzo this afternoon mentioned that Malik call is back fully practicing and really feels like he's turned a corner, which I take to mean the pain that he feels, you know, like the day after activity is no longer significant. So that's a great sign. Um, they just need to keep him there, <laughs> but, uh, Don't step any feet. another defense, <laughs> right. Having another defensive option with size is a big deal. You know, um, I think Malik, you know, he's not going to start the game, but I think Malik is a guy. If Spencer gets going with Malik's ability to stand, Spencer's not like a pure burner. So I don't think you have to worry about, oh, God, he's just going to torch. I mean, Malik hasn't been really torched by anybody this year anyway, so it wouldn't worry me even if he was. But he's not. Spencer's not a guy who's, you know, constantly driving the ball and looking to get to the rim. That's not really his game. So as a shooter, having a 6'8 guy, that kind of length could should help. I mean, if they need yeah. it, you know. I obviously without Malik, they did a decent job against him. Not as good a job as the numbers would suggest, but still did a decent job with them. They got to do it again. How that happens remains to be seen, but I know this, he's the, he's the one guy on that team that Michigan state cannot let get open looks. If he's going to make shots, you got to make him prove it through contests. You know, and if he hits a shot that's well guarded, so be it. 
but but that's for 40 minutes. That's where they've got to be because Spencer is the guy who can change the game for, for Rutgers offensively. You know, he just, if he gets rolling, then you're, you're worrying more about him. That's going to open up stuff for other people. And again, he's a good passer himself. So he can take advantage of extra attention being paid to him, you know? Yeah. And you worry about things like, you know, if Brooks comes out, I hate to pick on him, but he did have some problems that game. And then suddenly Cam hits one or two of these, and now suddenly he's feeling it, and that changes the complexion of his game. And then even though Brooks may be out, now it's, he's a lot tougher cover later in the game, right? Yeah, I, th- this is not a game I want to see Pierre Brooks getting much of Cam Spencer at all. If you can tell me that Michigan State is going to, one way or another, have one of Hall, Aikens, Hogard, and Walker guarding Cam Spencer, I can live with that. That's a pretty good foursome. And I mean that not that all those guys will, will be primaries on him, but through switching or whatever, that it's going to be one of those guys at all times. That's great. You live with that. So number two key to the game threes. We already mentioned this before Michigan state shot 12 of 22 Rutgers was two of 17. It was a 30 point advantage. Michigan state needs threes to be effective in any game scoring, but uh, they need to be, they, they definitely need him in this game. You can't have, you know, what happened at Purdue, Michigan State shot 50% from three. Oh, that's the good news. The bad news is they only got 10 attempts. Yeah. The, the, the shot attempts have to be healthy. And, and that's easier said than done against this team. You know, it, it got kind of lost in the shuffle, but somehow Michigan State got 22 threes up against Rutgers in that first game. They hit 12 of them. That grabbed a lot of attention. But maybe the bigger number was they got 22 attempts. Yeah. Rutgers does not typically give up that many looks. They're very good on a percentage basis as well, defending the three. But we know that's somewhat luck related and transitory. If you are limiting attempts, that's a much more transferable stat. And they've generally done well in that area. So Michigan State has gotten and and look. I think part of the problem against Purdue, yeah, Purdue sold out a little bit more. They played a higher, higher, tighter line on the perimeter and, and all that. But I thought even though Michigan State shooting numbers were very good in that game, I thought that Michigan State was still stagnant a yeah. lot offensively. Not a lot of ball man movement. That can't happen. Their ball movement against Rutgers was outstanding. It was part of the reason why they shot so well. That needs to be the case again. They, they've got to be moving with more of a purpose and, and just executing the offense at a much higher level than they did against Purdue. Yeah, I feel that I, I, I think Aiken, or, uh, Hogard was really good in that game and he was able to get in and get and that was part of the reason. That, and maybe it was his last really good game against Rutgers. And then since then, he's not been quite as good. I feel like that was the case. But yeah. Um, yeah, so the number three key to the game is maybe the most obvious one after the first game is defensive rebounding. Rutgers was just, you know, yeah. prolific on the offensive boards, and so you can't let that happen again because they're unlikely to shoot 32% in this game from the field. Well, or even if they do, um, you know, you just can't. You're unlikely to go 12 for 22 from three. Right, exactly. So yeah. it, it could turn into a rock fight then. Um, and in a rock fight, the team that's getting more attempts is probably going to win. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, they've just got to be better. And, and look, Michigan state for the most part this year 
I give them credit. They've been much improved over the previous couple of seasons as a defensive rebounding team. But we've seen a couple of these moments. You know, the first Rutgers game was one. Their most recent game at Purdue was another where they just really struggled. And they can't struggle in this one. They've got to be a lot better. Number four key to the game, turnovers. Rutgers forces turnovers. Michigan State is not turnover prone this year like usual. But... Uh, you know, in a game where where probably every possession is going to matter, especially if you're maybe losing with extra extra opportunities with rebounding, you have to make sure you don't give them even more opportunities with turnovers. And coming off a game where they had 14 against yeah. a defense that doesn't ball hawk in Purdue. Um, the first game against these guys, MSU did a great job. They only had 10 turnovers. That's a perfectly acceptable number. But they need to kind of be in that range. You know, you just you just don't want the scoring opportunity differential to be huge here between the rebounding and the turnovers. And finally, building and timing. So it looks like Michigan State is caught a break, not only with not playing at Rutgers, but also they have a little bit of time off. And Rutgers is playing playing on a short schedule. They play just on Wednesday, so they have to have a quicker turnaround to come back on Saturday. So, you know, it's always a classic thing. Do you want the rest? Do you get rusty? Do you want to just kind of keep it a roll? That, that's always the, the problem. Although, without a doubt, Michigan State's been a pretty brutal schedule for the last eight, yeah. nine games. And so it's they needed that rest for sure. I think normally you would have a concern and say, boy, six days between games. Are you worried about, you know, the first 10 minutes you can't throw the ball in the ocean or you're you're having issues with turnovers? but take that stuff off the table for Michigan state. That stuff could happen, but it doesn't matter because MSU desperately needed this. They've been on this, this, uh, hamster wheel of game, (laughs) uh, practice, practice, game, practice, practice, game. And it eventually will wear you out, wear you down. Um, so I think they needed this, you know, they got a couple days break then they could work on themselves a bit before they had to game plan. There really hasn't been an opportunity to just practice without game plan being a big part of it. You know, and those are two different things when you're game planning, you're not focused as much on self-improvement, right? You know, you're worried about, okay, we got to execute X, Y, and Z to win this game, different mindset. So very important, I think for Michigan state to get this break. Um, the other thing too is it would be one thing if MSU had won four or five coming in and you say, boy, you just, you don't want to stop now. Why? Yeah. Right. 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 That hasn't been the case. So it's, it's needed and, and not a bad thing from that perspective either, you know, for Rutgers, they played on Sunday, then they played on Wednesday and now they're playing on Saturday. So it's three days, three days. So they're coming to the, Basically, their third game in six calendar days is what will happen on Saturday. That's tough. That's tough. Even with the second one having been at home, that's a challenge to keep your energy level and your focus where where you want it to be. So we'll see if that has any impact. We already talked about the other aspect of this, which is you know playing in an environment that at least in theory should be easier. So I think all of that helps Michigan State. We'll see how much. Yeah, and you wonder too how much how much Rutgers has been made right by playing Minnesota because I don't know that that really I don't know that you take a whole lot away from that game. The previous game they got blitzed by Iowa. 
you know, so I don't know if they're going to be feeling great about themselves. Yeah. On, on the one hand, you could say, well, look, just like we talk about with shooters, seeing the ball go through the basket a couple of times helps, you know, having a game where your offensive continuity was there and you shot, I think they were plus 60% from the floor for the game as a team. Yeah. So they, <laughs> you know, just seeing the offense work can build confidence and make you feel like you're getting it going again. But yeah, not even just that Minnesota's not a good team, but the game got out of hand. It wasn't a competitive game. So you wonder about the sharpness coming out of that. You know, it we'll see, you know, I don't think there's a hard and fast on how any of that stuff works, but it's worth considering how much benefit did they really get out of that? You know, not, not a key to the game, but I wonder too, if this is a little more opportunity for Hogard, especially to get inside the lane and maybe even attack the basket. You don't have Edie there this time. Um, they're definitely shot blockers on Maruye, but I, but I think there's probably going to be more opportunities to get things going there uh, than there was in the past. Yes. And he might actually get a foul. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know, it's a big, it's a big game for him. I'm sure he and Tyson both treat it that way. Being East Coast guys, Madison Square Garden. I'm sure right, right. he'll have a lot of family down for that, for that one, and he'll want to play well. You know, we talked about it. He'd been in a little bit of a slump, but then I thought against Purdue, he at least as an individual player, not in terms of his team impact, but as an individual player, I thought he got back on track. He was finishing stuff at the rim, um, hitting free throws, you know, seven for nine was decent there. You know, those things were there. Now the next step is, can you get back? to being the fulcrum of that offense and creating for others and making others better the way he was for a large part of the season. That's the step they need him to take. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back after the game on Saturday to give our assessment and then be a, it'll be a short turnaround until we go to Maryland as we go to the back end of the schedule. And this is, this is the first game of what, what you felt. And I think I've, even Graham Couch agree with us, you know, that this feels like this might be the beginning of a run or at least a more manageable schedule and the time for Michigan State to you know, get better and prepare for their March run in the, both the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It doesn't mean that it's a must win or anything like that. I'm sure people will panic if they lose it and they're six and six. But it's it's in my eyes, it's a winnable game against a good opponent, you know, and that's you, you want to have those opportunities. A win of course would, would tie them with Rutgers, but I have the two game advantage on them having swept them this season. And so it put yep. in a good position for maybe getting a double that's by a at the end of the season too. Right. I mean, that would be, that's a good point. You're that's, I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. If you're talking about, you know, the goal is always finishing the top four because that means you don't play until Friday having that kind of advantage over another team that you're competing against for one of those spots, that would be a nice thing for MSU to have in their back pocket. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, you look at the top of the big 10 right now, Purdue swept Michigan state. So they had the advantage. Michigan state was swept by Northwestern and, you know, they just play one time, same thing with right. Illinois. And so, you know, there aren't a whole, you know, at the top of the big 10, you want to make sure you get as many of these wins as you can. And there aren't many opportunities besides Rutgers and then Illinois. Right. Or, they sorry, already Indiana. Lost Indiana. They could they get split, one more maybe, back, yeah. but yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, and, uh, we'll see if it has any meaning, but there's certainly no harm in having that advantage if you can get it. 
No, without a doubt, yeah. All right, so I would like to remind you that we are having an Ask Me Anything show coming up soon-ish, like within the next week or so. So head on over to our website at thefinalfoursnotontheschedule.com or tffinots.com. You can register uh, to get email alerts, but also you can leave questions there on Ask Me Anything for either Rod or me on Michigan State or whatever, and we'll get to as many of those questions as we can in the next week or so again once we have a little break between the schedule uh, as we've got now, as Michigan State has a few days break, we do too. So which is kind of nice. So uh, until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.